Good morning, Good morning campers. campers. Today's activities include going to the gym and getting swole. Lunch today will be blossom margarine for health and strength. And to end the night, we will be up on stage winning the Mr. Olympia title. So put on your sunscreen, bug spray, and camp uniform as we dive into pumping iron. Pumping iron. Marishka Hargitay, Sarah. Marishka Hargitay, Sam. I am your camp counselor, Sam, a pro bodybuilder in training and current drag queen. And I'm co camp counselor, Sarah. I'm wearing a uh, one-piece, one-shoulder unitard in a cheetah print. And we're here to ask, is it camp? We're diving into popular culture of all kinds to loosely identify what makes something camp. We are not here to be the definitive experts on it, but rather just talk about this often overlooked and frankly queer subgenre. And a great big Marishka Hargate to my coach, Chris Chambers, the Half-Baked Kid. Yes, how's it going? It's going great. It's been a, a long day, but, you know, wake up at four to do my cardio. And then right after this, I'm going to go train shoulders and arms. So I'm excited to talk about this with you guys. <laughs> Yeah, so you guys know what you're talking about. I'm the I'm the complete noob here. Yeah, pumping iron. I'm really excited okay. to talk about it. I'm really excited to talk about pumping iron because it's probably one of the most influential things that I've ever seen in my life. I saw it the first time when I was 17 and literally changed my life and the perception of how I look at things uh, forever. It's been forever. So had you been like aware of bodybuilding before then? Yes, I, I was aware about bodybuilding. I mean... I was, I was into, like, so I saw the magazines. I remember this guy sat beside me in grade 8, and he'd be looking at these magazines, and I just, I was like, hold, oh, these guys are humongous, right? I've never seen anything like that before. So, it, you know, watching pro wrestling growing up and then seeing that magazine, it was kind of like, it, it gave me uh, gave me the, the vision that there's something bigger than, uh, you know, what I actually thought was big and strong. You know, so I, then I start to follow it. So I probably started following it around 98. Puppy Iron just uh, had a different vibe to it, though. So when I saw that big, my buddy Big Mike, it's funny because, you know, Big Mike, bodybuilding, of course, he brings me a Pumping Iron DVD. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, you got to check this out. It's the 25th anniversary. And I've seen it. I remember seeing it in the video store, just this big bicep flexing. And, you know, I always thought it was going to be cool. Maybe I should rent that one day, but I never did. So he brought it to me. I put it on, and uh, it, it was it was really captivating because not only did it talk about you know the fitness aspect to it, but you know the bonding and the camaraderie through everybody, and how everybody pushed everybody to be better, uh, mindset, you know, discipline. There's a lot of cool things about it. I mean, I don't think people really notice that about it. Maybe some people do. I mean, in fitness, but uh, you know, it's not just a bunch of big guys just throwing around weight there's a lot of discipline and, and the mental aspect to it uh the nutrition uh it, it's it's really informative but they made it fun they made it cool i think that i'm pretty sure that's why gyms are so popular now it's because of this this docu docudrama yeah the before this movie bodybuilding was i mean bodybuilding still is like a, a niche sport um, yeah, it, it's it's part of the mainstream, but still very much 
in its own world but before this movie it was like sideshow attraction stuff right like people didn't really know about bodybuilding they didn't they thought it was just like big muscular people walking around just throwing up weights and having nothing in their heads beyond that right there's no personality it's just muscle and this movie came out and showed everyone that oh my god hold on there's people here arnold right arnold wasn't the movie star arnold that we know today this was just some 28 year old kid who's huge as fuck (laughs) (laughs) that was cool because yeah it showed character personality to this and it brought um it brought the sport to life it really it really made it entertaining it made it it look fun made just lifting weights look fun and it is it is fun yeah, I think like the the very best documentaries are always going to be better than a movie because the people are real, right? And there's such great personalities in this movie. Yeah, there's 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 Louis Lou Ferrigno who ended up becoming the Hulk, right? You got Arnold and then Franco who's in a I think a couple movies. You know, there's a uh, Gold's Gold's gym blew up because of it. It's uh it was pretty pretty big. It made a big change. Now, Sam, I know you grew up watching wrestling, too. Um, how did you first get into bodybuilding? Well, first, I'd like to fix something. I, I did not did. grow up watching oh, wrestling. Okay. I, I, no, I had zero interest in wrestling as a kid mm. because I didn't understand it. Like, I, I, I used to see it on TV and go, why are these two guys fighting? And then they'd stop fighting and go away and then two more guys would come out and fight i'd be like i don't understand why any of this is happening it wasn't until much later somebody explained mm-hmm. no there's there's a story there's it's week to week you have to watch it over over a period of time to understand why these things are happening and then that's when it finally clicked in for me um i earnestly believe my and this this is one of those like core early childhood memories for me I remember being at the mall with my mom when I was about six. And this is back when it was still little British me because I'd just come over from the UK. And she let me go wander the store So there the you are. You're in a, a your sailor suit. You've got a great and big lolly. <laughs> yep. Yep. My, my <laughs> golden curls sticking out from under my hat. And I remember just turning around and running into this mm-hmm. massive guy. And the first thing I did was like, I ran back to my mom and I said to her, mummy, mummy, mummy pointing at him saying that man has no <laughs> neck. <laughs> it's just, you know, out of the mouths of babes. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think, I think the idea of bodybuilding really cemented for me was, um, like grade seven or eight. I think I, I got my first Guinness book of world records and in it, of course, you, you've got, yeah, the guy with the biggest biceps in the world. And I was like, oh my God, what you can do that. And from there, it just became this, like, like looking it up online and, and going, like, oh, these guys are even better than that. Because the guy with the biggest biceps was, like, some farm guy in Nowheresville, Nebraska, 
who just had giant arms, right? That they weren't defined or anything, but looking into bodybuilding, all of a sudden it was like the, the first proper bodybuilder I think I saw who wasn't Arnold yeah. because Arnold was everywhere. Arnold was in everything, right? The first proper one that I saw in like competition shape was, uh, do you remember Eddie Robinson? No, Robbie Robinson. <laughs> I think no, Eddie Robinson was a guy in the '90s. Oh, he was in. Do you remember um, the uh, the bodybuilding show that uh, Vince McMahon tried to put on? Yes, the WBF. Okay, the WBF. Uh, Eddie Robinson came out, and because they all got names like wrestlers, he was the guy with the giant machine gun just mowing down terrorists or <laughs> or ninjas or whatever. Of course. I remember seeing pictures of Eddie Robinson and being like, this guy must be the biggest man in the world. He looks like the most muscular person who's ever lived. Right. Well, he's pretty jacked. Oh, yeah. It it kind of went on from there where it was just like all of a sudden learning about others and seeing who Ronnie Coleman was and then Jay Cutler and you know kevin lavroni and i mean while i was a teenager i was painfully shy and very awkward in the body and it wasn't until university when it was like okay i'm away from my parents who are immense sources of guilt <laughs> for me because anytime i looked at these bodybuilding pictures my mom would do the oh do you like that sam kind of thing to embarrass me as is the want yeah. of any parent and like ah. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I want to be this. So when I got to university, I finally started going to the gym and I was like, oh, I want to do this. I, I want to be like those guys. And it just went off from there. And now finally, here we are, t 2023, you and me, we're going for it. We're going to be pro bodybuilding. 100%. And you're smashing it every single week. So you're putting that, you're putting that drive into your work. It's, <laughs> Thank you. You gotta get your machine gun. <laughs> <laughs> and and Sarah, what what about you in terms of your history, if anything, with bodybuilding? Well, I have forty inch biceps, as you know. <laughs> I was very ignorant about the whole thing, like you say. Like I only knew the 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 freak show aspect of it of you know look at this guy isn't it weird or look at this weird bulked up toddler or something like that um and it was only once i met you in university that i heard somebody describe it as a sport and i was like oh okay i kind of get this now you know it's it's something that's when you have like no knowledge of it otherwise it can be something that's really weird to wrap your head around because it's so out of like the norm and traditional beauty standards and that sort of thing that's something that i really found in this movie is the movie's great at explaining it without ever like sitting you down and going this is what these people want to do i found like a real art behind it i think i was texting you there is an art yeah, it, it is an art on top of being a sport. Mm -hmm. The the best, the greatest guys out there, the ones who make a name in bodybuilding, they do treat it 
as seriously as any other art i i've known guys who d did compete or do compete and they're like yeah yeah i'll just lift weights and then i'll lean out and whatnot and i'm like so how about your posing and stuff and it's like ah, no i'll figure that out it's like no that shit's part and parcel <laughs> I, um, because of my job, I used to work weird hours, so I would go to the gym at, like, 11.30, midnight, that sort of thing. And when you do that, the only people that you're there with are bodybuilders. And I would just, like, stare at these guys' arms that were, like, the size of my head. And that's the thing, like, they're like gymnasts, you know? They are the most focused people you will ever meet. You gotta be, you gotta be focused when you're lifting that kind of weight as well, right? Anything could go wrong mm -hmm. when you keep pushing the limits. And some of these guys, you know, I don't think people really realize that even just lifting weights, I mean, there's a way to lift them incorrectly and getting injured, but then there's times where they're just pushing the body to their complete limit. And even with proper form, their body goes. It's uh, it's very, it's a very extreme uh, intensity that these guys push to get to the, to get those, those gains consistently. You know, it's like mm -hmm. one thing to go to the gym for, a year and get results but i mean year in and year out they're consistently getting results <laughs> it's impressive it's like you know you look at them you're like okay you you've won you did it you got all the muscle in the world right maybe bring it out and start to you know show more definition and you know uh again just pushing those limits it's extreme Chris, I was wondering uh, if you could say a little bit, because when they talk in the movie about, like, how they gain muscle, it's very much just Arnold saying, like, you got to push past the pain barrier, and that's when you start gaining muscle. I was wondering if you could explain that a little bit more, like, how it actually works. Your body knows, you know, how to lift basically anything. It, it does it on a regular, right? But when you put it under a certain amount of stress <coughs> for a certain amount of time, it may not be familiar with that, right? You pick up your groceries. Even if they're heavy, you carry them a little bit. But this is to the point where it's like, okay, pick up those groceries and carry them until your, your fingers just can't hold the bag anymore and the bags fall all over the ground, right? And that's a good thing in this case. Like, you went the distance. So when your body meets, right, your body meets that stress and it's never been pushed to that stress level, it, it, it's very intelligent and it goes, well, that was, that was challenging and maybe that'll happen again. So we should be prepared for it since we're not used to that. We should prepare for that next time. And then what you do is, you know, you get stronger and you can hold the bags a little longer, maybe farther distance. So instead of just walking longer, you just increase the intensity again. So maybe it's the weights, right? Or how you're holding mm -hmm. them. And, or if you're, you know, you're, you're shrugging, you're bringing your shoulders up, you're engaging other muscles, all these things. Uh, you'll consistently build muscle. Uh, and that's just the stimulant of it, right? So we go to the gym, we stimulate the muscle to complete stress that's not used to, it's unfamiliar to the body. Uh, it'll trigger growth. Now, saying that, that's great, but now you got to go home and you got to eat all the food that's going to be the fuel to recover, and then you're going to have to get to the quality of sleep, not just sleep, but quality of sleep. Uh, that's going to let your body do the building process. So we break the body down, we fuel the body back up throughout the day and evening, you're just constantly eating, and then you rest and you grow, and then you repeat and you repeat. And the faster you can recover and get to the next workout, the bigger and stronger you'll get. So the fundamental like principle isn't really that different from like cardio workouts where you're just you're pushing yourself to get that much stronger, but in this way it's adding on muscle instead. Yeah, 
Yeah, and you mean the muscle, you know, if we want to do cardio, we still do cardio because it's important, you know, your heart and your lungs. Mm -hmm. So like, training your cardiovascular system will improve your weight training. So there's, you got you to gotta train the whole body. Uh, you got to keep flexibility too. So you can't just go in there and lift weights and not be flexible because that's a recipe for disaster, injuries and things like that, or just not quality of workouts, right? Because your body can't, can't do it. <laughs> yeah, the, the mobility thing. There was that uh, the Canadian pro bodybuilder, Craig, Greg Kovacs, right? He was huge. Yeah. For the audience, for Sarah, uh, Greg Kovacs was a dude who was, he, what, he was like 6'4", and in the off-season, he'd get up close to like 400 pounds. Insane. Yeah, it just, just obscene levels of size, but it was... It was one of those things where he just, he got so big, his wife had to do tons of stuff for him. Like he just, it was just size without mm. restraint, right? In terms of understanding what else, do, what do I need to do on a day-to-day -day basis, right? I mean, there's, there's horror stories essentially of him in the hotel rooms before a show, just leaving the place an absolute filthy pigsty because he just could not clean up after himself at that point like your chest is so big you can't touch your toes that sort of thing it's so big i don't think he could touch anything <laughs> uh, also the unfortunate thing of th there's the um you know some people who who have said to me in the past like oh if you get that big you won't be able to wipe your own butt and for him it was oh. true it's a big boy oh he was he was big but these guys are pushing the limits. They want to see how much muscle they can put on. And I think it was the '90s where they were really. I mean, guys are huge now too. But in the '90s was like a different grind and a different grit of muscle. Where I think the physiques do look different from the '90s, '80s, '70s, obviously up until today. But I think the '90s had like that era with the Greg Kovacs and all these guys. They were, I think, the first ones with Dorian Yates to really start pushing it. With Roddy Coleman. Um, to that freakish level because it was you know arnold looked good and he was huge and if we saw him in person we're like man that guy is massive but then if ronnie coleman stood beside him <laughs> we would, <laughs> it, would, it would it would blow our minds you know what i mean to, to think just like there's that much muscle on a human being i think I, I i met ronnie coleman uh twice and one time he was standing just next to me i'm waiting in line and his forearm was the size of my leg it, it was it was it was wild to see how much muscle that guy just had on his arm. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's a sport and an art, just like anything else. They they evolve and it, it grows and it changes over time, mm -hmm. right? There's, you know, hockey players now could easily wipe the floor with '80s hockey players, right? Just in how the sport has changed and how much more we understand the science behind it so with bodybuilding like there's teenagers the size that arnold was at his prime yeah i compared it to gymnastics before and that's the thing if you see gymnastics routines from like the 60s it looks like something that a really good child can do nowadays yeah it's it's, it's it evolves so fast once once you get that little the little bit of the edge and everybody knows about it then everybody's doing it which leads to the next door to open up right like fitness equipment has changed it's been you know i go to i go to this one gym and you look at the chess machines and there's like 50 of them that do the same thing but in a different way 
Oh, okay. Back in the day, it was typically there's a bar and there's dumbbells mm-hmm. and, you know, lifted, right? But now the machines are coming in uh, and, you know, they're safer on your joints and they still can create the intensity that your body requires to grow, right? Build muscle. In the old way, is still the best way with the barbells and stuff, but, you know, there's so much there's so much technology that even someone that doesn't want to do that can still build a great physique without having to go that intense with the dumbbells and the barbells. It's just technology. It's just it's just so cool for me. I'm just like, this is amazing. This is this is alchemy. <laughs> uh, it's it's magic basically, and the fact that this is also a sport that it's not limited by by uh gender it's not limited by race it's not limited by height or or age as well the fact that there are 70 year olds out there with better bodies than than uh, you know me <laughs> at, at this point but just like shredded six packs and big arms it's it's a testament to the the magic that the human body can do when it's placed under stresses that it can change that it can grow and i i've known so many people who are like oh you know no matter what i do i can't lose weight or i can't gain muscle or yada 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 and it's like you just haven't done it right that's the only thing you can do it you are a human being like everyone else you just got to figure out how it does it right I think that's the hard part, there's, you know, because there's so much information out there where you have, you know, this magazine tells you not to eat carbs, and it's eat, and it is eat carbs, and it's don't eat for most of the day, it just, it changes all the time, so it, it creates this confusion, but, I mean, once you figure out, I mean, because there's no one wrong way or one right way, it's what your body likes to do, everybody handles and processes things differently, but once you've experimented enough with your body and you figure out what works for you well the results just start to really happen and people sometimes get confused like how you must be working out for 50 hours a week or whatever right all you need is 45 minutes of real intensity four times a week even three depending on what what your goals are and uh, you can build an amazing physique uh with just you know like four hours a week of exercise and the rest nutrition and rest but you gotta train intense enough that your body wants to recover and rest. That's that's also a hard part where most of us, when we're training and we're starting off, we're scared of going to that intensity because you know your heart rate increases or your body's shaking, so it's unfamiliar territory. So we tend to back off because we think it's going to be something of an injury. Uh, it's just you know you push your body to just adapt to this new this new you that you're creating, and, it, and, and yeah, it evolves real quick. You keep the stress up. Wonder it's, it's amazing to see when you see like Sam's been changing. I, mean, I want to say every two weeks we notice like heavy differences uh, in even just strength and just uh, visually. I mean, we can only we've only been doing it now with three months, so that's the six months. Three months. Yeah, like six month mark is going to be just unreal when we look back to the starting point, and then it's going to consistently be like that every six months. You look back and you're like, wow, like. Those are big. Those are big jumps. You know, the body will the body will respond if you give it what it wants, not what the magazine says, <laughs> or whatever, or whatever internet things popping around. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah. The uh, I, I texted you 
uh, a couple days ago, and I was like, hey, I just weighed myself, and ooh, I'm oh down God. 40 pounds. And, <laughs> yeah. And it's not an unhealthy <laughs> 40 pounds. It's, it's not like oh my god i feel like shit i look like shit and you know I'm, I'm thin or anything no there's been a lot of muscle gain with that too tons of muscle gain i mean we started with a, a 135 pound squat and then three months later we're at 365 pound squat which is pretty good yeah <laughs> yeah they are pretty good that's it. That's that's a big. Yeah, that's a good start. That's a good start. So do you do you guys want to get into the movie itself? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so we start out with the ballet opening with Franco and Arnold, and this is like the first thing that tipped me off. That I was like seeing her teach them movement, and I was like, oh, okay, I get. I I'm starting to get it now. You know the flow yeah the to move smooth when they pose there's been all kinds of changes in posing like a couple weeks ago uh when we did our episode on uh, purple rain mm, yeah i sent you that gif of the bot the bodybuilder who's doing a posing routine and it's to i would i would die for you and he's doing the body rubbing you know stutter step across the stage as he's doing it and you know, outside of context in both bodybuilding and Purple Rain, it looks like one of the most ridiculous things on the planet. But to the context of the posing routine, it makes absolute sense. And again, another part of it that has evolved over time is you've got guys doing the splits, you've got guys doing backflips, you've got uh, break dancing and popping and locking and all kinds of crazy shit happening because it's the art of showing off your body. Sorry, you gotta gotta show it off with grace, you know, so you gotta have it down. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of a lot of yoga where you're just like, because I don't do weights or anything like that, um, where it's just like you're feeling your muscles work and being grateful for them. And I was like, okay, so this is something that like I understand in my terms now because when you just see it, uh, you know, a dude posing in like a static picture or whatever, you don't get that beautiful movement that you see in these guys and seeing the change in their muscles and their bodies as they're moving through their poses. I'm like, this is art. It's a live sculpture, basically, right? They, they've created it to the point where mm-hmm. yeah, if you put them into stone, you're like, yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> It also made me realize that I do not know the words for, like, any of the muscles. And I'm like, they're all doing something, but I don't know what they are. <laughs> the, the the big one. The bulging one. No, no, no. The, the other yeah, exactly. bulging big one. <laughs> uh, so we have the credit sequence. And then um, Gold's Gym in Venice. I've actually been to Venice Beach and I saw people working out there. It uh, it was cool. It's it's neat that it's still like that. Yeah, that Muscle Beach is pretty sweet. It's got the, the it's got like a short gate around it. I was working out there once. I want to say uh, twenty years ago, and right after the workout, I thought it was so cool that I could just hop into the ocean. It was like it was pretty. Oh cool. yeah, it's absolutely beautiful there. Yeah, it's it's a sweet setup. No wonder these guys were so jacked. Who wouldn't want to work out under the sun? And then just, you know, lay on the beach all day. That sounds pretty awesome. (laughs) 
I mean, it's it's also Venice Beach, so it's filled with all kinds of other weirdos. Uh, you yeah, know, there's a lady like snake handling and, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the one of the last times I was at Venice Beach, uh, there was this huge crowd wandering around, and I was like, ah, oh, it must be some cool performance art. And as it moved towards me, it opened up, because you know, I'm moving in the opposite direction of it, and it's not a performance artist, it's just a lady who is very much on a ton of drugs, naked, walking around, totally out of it. <laughs> so you had a good time. <laughs> I, I don't know how to break this to you, Chris, but I am a homosexual, so... <laughs> I can't believe I'm learning about it like this. <laughs> We're everywhere, Sarah. Everywhere. So, Arnold, like, he... I'm not a big fan of Arnold's movies, but like you say, like, you can't exist in this world without knowing Arnold. And it's so funny knowing how the rest of his life goes, watching him go in there, and I'm like, oh, that's a politician. That's how he's greeting everybody. Like, was he was he already <laughs> famous by this point, or did this movie make him famous? This is the one that made him, put him on the map for sure. This was the one. And then he then he, then he did Conan, and then that was it. After Terminator, did yeah. he start to take off? Yeah, before this, he had done the odd movie here and there, but it had always been like, here's a bodybuilder. We need a bouncer. We need a, a, a bad guy who's big and intimidating. And then he had also done um, Hercules in New York, which I may have to add to the list at some point. Oh, yeah, where uh, he's where dubbed he, because they couldn't understand. He is. His, yeah. <laughs> it is atrocious. <laughs> It's, it's kind of it's kind of funny though, because it's because of because of how bad it is in its own way. Yo, yeah, it's, it's pretty. It's uh, it's uh, it's, uh, it's so bad it's good. There's I think there's also a, a TV episode of something I can't remember what it was that he appeared in, and the main character who's this pretty yeah pretty woman she's talking to him she's like, oh so you just like work out to make your muscles big and that's all you do and well I don't think that's that's very important whatnot and. Yeah, the the script had him freak out on her, and he just began smashing things around her. Like, no, you don't understand. Oh, oh, this is everything to me. And it's just one of those like, you really thought you were doing something with this scene, weren't you? And instead, it just comes off as what? <laughs> yeah, I think that one's called "Stay Hungry." I think. I think it's called Stay Hungry. He was also on I Love Lucy, which was interesting. I didn't know about that for a long time. I thought that was cool. He was a masseuse. I didn't know, even know they were still making it back then. Right. Yeah, but he, he was there. <laughs> he was there. Uh, so they talk about muscularity, symmetry, and proportion. Like you said, Chris, like sculpting. Like Arnold says, a sculptor can just slap some more clay on, but us, we have to do it to the human build uh, body. So is... Are those like three watchwords, muscularity, symmetry, proportion, are those still the same basics? Yes, it's, it's, it, 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 they also judge you, yeah, they judge you based on proportions, and symmetry, definition, all these things. But, I mean, they break it down more extensively than that because there's a posing routine, right? Um, <laughs> and, I'm, and I don't think they say it, but they're looking for a certain, you know, not, not necessarily a face, but a certain face for bodybuilding that they can market as well. Because, you know, sometimes the best body, I mean, in my opinion, sometimes the best body doesn't win. 
you know, because they're all so close, but maybe somebody's <laughs> more marketable. So they might get the favor and get it, get, get, get the, get the number one spot just for something like that. So there's like, they, I, I mean, they won't admit it all, but it's still a business at the end of the day. So yeah, as much as it comes down to all those, those factors, once it comes down to say it's an equal body, then they're going to really start looking at the personality and, you know, who can make maybe another pumping iron for them and keep bodybuilding relevant and exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, of the very famous example of this is uh, one of the top bodybuilders in the 2000s was a guy called Kai Green. And Kai Green was always second place at the Olympia. Like, he was always just shy of winning. And for years, people were like, oh, this is going to be Kai Green's year. This is going to be the year he does it. He finally becomes Mr. Olympia. And it never happened. And the big reason it never happened was because they did not want to give it to a guy who had appeared in a pornography where he fucked <laughs> okay, a grapefruit. Okay, grapefruit was not the worst place that sentence could have ended. But it was enough to... It seemed... No. It's enough not to give this guy the number one... Sp- yeah. But he was... And he's awesome, too. Like, when you when you see anything from Kai Green, like, his, his personality, his spirit is so... I mean, it seems so pure and honest, and he's very motivating and positive, and his posing routine was very unique because he was very flexible, and he had this way of moving his body and things like that. Uh, You would think that, you know, you're looking for something different to make a sport stand out. Uh, He had had everything that they could, I mean, want for that, to be honest with you. And he has a huge following, too, because he is very positive and, and whatnot. But it seems like... That might be the reason, because, I mean, he's had he's had the best body, but he never got the number one. We have um, Arnold posing at the prison on Terminal Island. I love the uh, way this yeah. movie shows, like, people watching the, like civilians watching the bodybuilders and how they uh like talk about their bodies and stuff it's so fascinating even when he's doing the prison he's posing at the prison it's, he's really cracking jokes <laughs> you know he's making yeah. light of it you know he's hilarious you know he just gives his girl a kiss on the cheek uh, maybe she hasn't had a kiss for years you know like <laughs> he fucking yeah i watched that and i was like <laughs> what the fuck why did he say that and then they're like there, so he's at a prison, and I was like, okay, okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> big dude, man, all the way, big dude. It's, it's, they kept, they captured such great footage for that to make it entertaining. Like, I mean, I can, I can have a conversation with my buddy Big Mike and just use pumping iron lines, and he'll understand <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> But I mean, you're you're right when it when you say like showing showing just average people as well. This isn't this isn't a, a an insular community. This isn't these athletes existing in a vacuum of like oh I only train and you know my life is wake up train go back home and that's it right. It's no they're they're out and about they're enjoying life they're seeing people and interacting with the world at large and it, it's it's this really beautiful thing of like yeah they're they're people just as much as they are athletes and these regular people getting to see it being like 
oh my god you know like the human body can do this this is you know it's it, it would be tantamount to like a, a, an olympian god descending from the mountain and being like what's up people it's me <laughs> zeus uh what's up haters like and subscribe i'm zeus <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we have Arnold coaching this guy. I I think he's just in this one scene, this like little blonde guy where he's like, I could never be as tall as my dad, so I want to be as wide. And he talks to him about posing. And again, the same thing about like big, clean lines, don't shrink into yourself, that sort of thing. I found it so, so interesting because you can see it throughout the rest of the movie too. Yeah, where he's talking about showing him, you get to open up, you know, shows him. He, he kills me in that scene because he kind of, he doesn't, I mean, because Arnold is always being funny. He calls the guy a little guy without calling him a little guy to his face. He's like, you know, <coughs> you see all you little guys like you did right now. You know, you hide away with the pose. You know, was, I, I just always thought that his arrogance was just hilarious in that. <laughs> the damn thing. And also, like, he, as but, an athlete, but also <laughs> as a performer, he has such command over his body where he can mimic what these little guys do and you instantly see it in him even though like it doesn't make any sense with his body right he's just yeah he, he knew how to he knew how to show on, on top of it this is like what he's saying is you know it, it's arrogant and he's putting him down a little bit but it's also just true of the sport and in general right like we we see it in in wrestling um you know, it's it's no you you have to show yourself off you have to find your best angles and your best poses to really sell who you are to the audience the crowd that's come they paid good money to see a show put on a show for them yeah, we want we want to see the best of the best you know so i mean if someone's five four and jacked out of their mind that's awesome but again someone's six four jacked out of their mind that's that's a little more awesome it's more it's more muscle right it's it's a bigger version of of the other one not to put the other one down it's great but yeah you know there's 200 pounds of muscle or 298 pounds of muscle it's the truth so after this we have um these are the amateurs right mike katz and ken waller yes they have a fun story that too yeah i i really appreciate that this movie isn't just focused on arnold Mm -hmm. and it's and on top of it, it's not just focused on winners either, right? The, these guys shot so much footage, they could have easily cut it to just the Arnold movie or just the Arnold versus Lou Ferrigno movie. But instead, they, they take this nice little side story to watch Mike Katz, who's you know training for the Mr. Universe competition, and... You know, it's you get to see him in his home life. You get to see him train for a little bit. You get to see his very seventies hair. Like, <laughs> holy shit, that haircut, man! Good one. That's a, that's a Mike Katz. That's that cut. You go in there, but I want a Mike Katz. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of like all the boys I went to school with who would wear a hat until they were forced to take it off, so they'd get like those wings swooping out the side. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I was a little confused the first time I watched this movie at this scene covering the amateur stuff because I was like, they announced the winner and I was like, we're 30 minutes into the movie. Is the movie over and we haven't even covered anybody else? <laughs> I kind of get that they like put this at the front so that you can concentrate on like the Arnold and the Lou Ferrigno stuff later, but it was confusing to me the first time I watched it. 
Yeah, because they just kind of cut to it. Um, mm-hmm. But it also prepared you for the big boat. Later. It and like the psych, the psych play of the competitors. Even though I know I read that like the thing about stealing the shirt isn't necessarily like they added it in later, that sort of thing. But uh, it's really interesting when you have that, like seeing Mike Katz in his head as he's posing, and you can feel the difference. They, they, they really captured. They captured even when he, when he lost. Yeah. You could see it in his face how they, they. I remember there was this. I don't know if it's another documentary on it, but when he lost, how the the cameraman just zoomed in right on Mike Katz's face because they could just feel his true emotion. Like he was. It's it's cool to see. I mean, it sucks for him that he lost, but it was cool to see that his passion. And then they say it also showed like the sportsmanship where there's a part where he's sitting down and. He just wants to talk to his family because he's, he's hurt. And then he can hear in the PA in the background because he's not on stage anymore, but he could hear Ken Waller is victorious. And he's like, oh, man, that's great. I got to go shake his hand. So even in, like, ultimate defeat, this guy was still, like, you know, being positive and, and, and thinking about other people. It was, it was pretty – they captured a really cool emotion with that guy. Mm-hmm. It's – it really speaks to the camaraderie of this sport. I, I know it's it's weird because at the amateur kind of level, I've, I've known a lot of guys who have prepared for bodybuilding shows and whatnot, and they all become weirdly insular, and they become like this sort of, uh, you know, I don't make friends with my competitors because I'm going to beat them. And they, they, there's this really sort of toxic mindset of it it is just you against the world but you see the pros you see the pros hanging out and training with each other and having a laugh and just enjoying each other's company and i think like the guys who make it there they are the guys who are going out and having friends and making friends with each other it's it's a community and it's like why for my competition if i got to know some people why wouldn't i want to compete against them at their best it only makes you better yeah when i win i'm better than that i'm better than they are at their best the other thing too is like who else is going to understand what you're going through better than the people who are doing the exact same thing that's a very that's an amazing point you know, I don't think people look at it sometimes in that light that, you know, the, the, the relatability, uh, the common ground of, you know, just even even if you're, if you're really serious and you're getting to, say, a competition and, you know, everyone goes out to a movie and maybe you go to the movie, but, you know, you got your Tupperware container of your chicken breast and your rice and, you know, everyone else has their popcorn, their chips and stuff, but, you know, continuing to be disciplined. Most groups of friends are like, ah, oh, come on, man, just have some candy just have a sip of pop relax right uh but if you were in a mm-hmm. group that was doing the same thing it'd be like death sentence to even say something like that in prep mode for a competition it's 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 it, it is yeah it's really important for this every, i think it's for everybody to be surrounded by like-minded people of course right it's it's important mm-hmm. that's that is very very important for so now we have the introduction of Lou Ferrigno and his dad. His dad is my favorite character in the entire movie. He's so sweet. I love these scenes with Lou Ferrigno because he's 
it's it's this wee baby Lou Ferrigno, right? He's mm-hmm. he's so shy and he's so sweet, like just a nice guy. And on top of it being you know partially deaf, it's you know it's it must have been really hard for him to break out of that shell. And then he becomes the Incredible Hulk. And I don't mean like he gets hit by gamma rays and becomes it. Like no, he he's the he is the Incredible Hulk from the 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 seventies TV show, and he'd go on to continue to be the Incredible Hulk in many cartoons and films as well. Yeah, I think he was playing um, the Hulk like up to the Ed Norton movie because they weren't they it wasn't completely um motion capture at the time so they were still using part of Lou Ferrigno's performance. Well, that's wicked. He looked like the Hulk, especially when he was all green, he looked good. And yeah. Uh, oh yeah. It was great. I saw him at a I mean, convention they're... like 10 years ago. So you know, he's getting up there in age and I'm like you still look at him and you're like that's the biggest guy in the room. And, so, yeah, and, and, and yeah, there's no excuses. He's jacked up. He still he is pretty big. Yeah, he looks mm-hmm. great. And he was competing, I think he competed in his 40s as well. Like, his late 40s, I think he was competing. I might be wrong about that, but definitely in his 40s, he was on stage shredded and ripped. Still doing it. So we see his dad coaching him, including like getting him to lift weights while he's shouting Arnold's name. That's the thing too, like Lou Ferrigno never comes across as as arrogant or anything like that. Even in this part where he's shouting Arnold's name as he does lifts, it still seems so sweet to me. Yeah, because he's getting like, uh, his father's basically like just controlling this young guy that has this muscle and he's just believing in his dad and just following it. I mean, it it's it reminds me very much of when you and I trained together, and like, you know, I'm I'm lifting, and you're like, come on, come on, think Olympia, and you're yelling that at me, and it's 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 it, but you're not yelling it in a mean way. It's it's that like fire, you know, you're tapping into something primal inside of me that wants to get there, that wants to be among these guys, among these elite athletes, and I mean, fuck me if it doesn't work every single time. <laughs> That's the whole thing, right, about pushing your body, is it's not really your body that's in charge, it's your brain. You just gotta trick your brain enough. Yeah, you just gotta convince yourself that that's that this is what you're gonna do, and whether, you know, you're having a good day or a bad day, this is this is what we're gonna do. And uh, typically, and, and when you see it, and you see people control their mind like that instead of their emotions, I mean, again, that comes out to dieting and all those things. When you can control this whole thing, I mean, you start to see the results. I mean, then then it becomes easier to hear those those little things when, say, Sam's doing a, a set of squats and we say we're going to do eight, and he's I can see he's tired at four, but then you just remind yourself as well. It's hard to remind yourself when you're struggling with the weight right now. You feel all this pain. You're like, just get this bar off me. I just wanted to chill, right? But when you're going through that fire, and then somebody just says something that you know, don't forget your purpose and why we're doing this in the first place. It just it, it reassures you that oh yeah I'm feeling this pain and this is the pain that I I want to feel because this is the pain that's going to get me to what I desire and it's it's hard to push through that because it's it's real pain it's real it hurts it fucking hurts it's going to hurt for 
you know, days after. (laughs) So it's not only are you looking at you going, yeah, once I put this bar down, I'm going to be good. It's like, no, for the next five days, every step that you take, you're going to remember this set. And then then when when you're all healed up, it's time to do it all over again. So yeah, the, 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 the mindset, like, you're right, it's all in the mind. You know, even just coming into coming into a gym, uh, I think that's already the thing for most people, or just even anyone at any level, you know, the bravest thing you could do is just step foot in the gym. Because once mm-hmm. you're in there, you know, that's that's the hard, we can make every excuse in the book, ah, I'll go tomorrow, I had a hard day, whatever it is, but once you put your foot through that door, it's hard to just leave. I, I don't, I've never seen anyone go to the movies you know, travel, take the TTC or drive all this way, get their ticket, get the popcorn, get themselves seated, and they go, I'm good, (laughs) just leave. (laughs) (laughs) So just getting to the door is a brave thing, right? You know, know, when you think about it, it's like just get there, remember why you're there, and uh, it's always good to have somebody, like you were saying earlier, that can relate to you and understand or has done it before, um, and, and just can and, and just can just help you know reassure when the times are stressful or, or, or doubtful. And now you got this. This is why we're here. This is what we're doing. It's a process. It's not going to happen just in one second. It's it's a process, and you know it helps. It does. It definitely helps you push, push to do more. Sometimes it actually changes the whole the whole thing. Once you once you hit that switch and you tap into it, and you realize that you can do that, it's really hard to turn that off or to steer that in another direction because. You, you you see the you see it you see the success you, you can you can taste it. Yeah, you get that positive feedback from your own body. Now, Sam, you were saying while we were talking beforehand. You're like, if you don't know any terms, and I'm like, I'm I'm just gonna try to describe things as best <laughs> as I can because there's this scene where I'm like, everything to me, I'm like, they are lifting weights. It is a lift. <laughs> Um, there's this scene with Arnold and Eddie doing, I think, squats. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing that really gets me is you see them resting while the other guy's working out. And they are, like, they look so winded and rough. And they do not want to get back in there. And they do it anyway. Do it anyways. Because Arnold's like, come on, Eddie. Uh-huh. <laughs> And then he calls them lazy bastards. Come on, you lazy bastards. Something like that, you know? <laughs> and flex when you come up. He's, he's just, like, just grilling them. But they're, but they're jacked. It worked. It, it, yeah, it's clearly working. And on top of it, 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 again, it's the, I want to compete with the best. These guys are my friends and I'm and my competition why wouldn't I want them to be as big and as lean as possible why why would I sabotage them walk out and just be like cool I won I guess by default because they look like shit (laughs) oh yeah looping does something sorry go ahead um just looping back to something uh from before that I was thinking about in terms of symmetry do you get like a loss of symmetry from handedness or something like that? Like what would cause you to not be symmetrical? I think it would just be having an imbalance. So you may be, maybe you're, it could be genetic too. Like, you know, you have... Oh, really? Yeah, you could have, you know, shorter arms and things like that that just would... Someone with perfect aesthetics and just, you know, maybe you broke it down into calculations. Someone's arm is 
who's you know 60 inches would be perfect for someone that's five foot ten, and you have all those stats. Mm -hmm. And if you if you come short on some of those, I mean, your chances of winning is very unlikely, right? Because somebody will just come in whether whether they they can have the same amount of muscle, but it just is more symmetrical with the balance of the legs to the upper body, you know, the length of the arms, how long the neck is, and then you take in proportions like muscles on those on that skeleton. You know, someone have wide, wide enough shoulders. Maybe they are really narrow shoulders. So even if they're huge, but their shoulders are still narrow because somebody will come in, like Sam has got wide shoulders. So Sam comes in, his shoulders are wide. Maybe I come in, and even if I have big shoulders, but they're a little more narrow, I mean, he's going to win on that one because he's got the width, right? His mm -hmm. waist can look tighter. His legs can pop out more. So... Is a lot comes down to genetics, and then after genetics, it comes down to just the balance of the muscle, where you can't just have huge legs and no upper body, or a huge upper body and no legs. You have to have all those muscles fit and, 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 and measure up perfectly with the other one. Well, speaking of which, this is our introduction to Franco Colombo, who's, he's what, the champion under six feet, is that right? Uh, he blows up a hot water bottle where I'm like, oh my god, this guy looks like he could give like an Olympic swimmer a run for their money in lung capacity. He was one of those strong men. He would do those things all the time. He was a very strong, he was a very powerful man. Yeah, and I mean, he was, he was itty bitty compared to the rest of these guys. Like, so what, one of the things... Some, some of the things that have changed in bodybuilding is that uh, over time, the amateur classes and the professional classes have solidified more into, um, like, uh, in the amateur classes, you're generally divided into weight categories. So it, it moves from featherweight, lightweight, middleweight, light heavyweight, heavyweight, and then super heavyweight, which is 220 pounds and above, in order to make it you know, fair, right? It doesn't make sense for a guy who's 250 pounds to walk out on stage and just destroy a dude who's 160 pounds. So they divide that in the amateur section. But once you go professional, then they divide it generally just into two categories with open bodybuilding, which is uh, open and then the 212 category which is generally like they say 212 as a weight limit but really it's for shorter guys it's for guys who are about like five six and under because uh believe me when you see the 212 category standing next to each other uh, they all look great like you think wow these are the biggest guys on earth and then for some reason at the olympia they keep making the mistake of being like yeah we'll send somebody out to just organize these guys a little bit more right and like pull them back or space them out a bit better so they send out like a uh, some kind of usher a bodybuilder usher i guess and this guy's <laughs> always like six three so all of a sudden this th six three guy walks out onto a stage of five five guys and these dudes who looked huge suddenly look like toddlers on steroids <laughs> well it's like what you said chris like once you get to that level it's all about the tiniest um comparisons between these dudes right uh, so everyone arrives in Pretoria. So I had a question about this taking place in Pretoria. Was it like a changes every year thing, or was it always in South Africa? 
I believe it changed every year, right? I'm pretty sure it did change every year. <laughs> and then eventually it just ended up in Las Vegas. I don't know when that happened. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, now it's a Vegas It's thing. like a big convention city, that sort of thing. Yeah, they do a weekend thing where you get, you know, do the expo, get a crap load of supplements, and then uh, watch the, the Olympia. You can either watch the pose, uh, the judging, which is, I mean, it's a quiet, quiet kind of display where they go out like you saw uh, in Puppy Garden later on where they just go out on stage to get judged, and then later on it's with the audience, like a live crazy crazy audience where they do it that's the thing that when they actually show the auditorium in this i'm like it's so much smaller than i expected and i was thinking it has to be a bigger thing nowadays especially since it's so much more accessible <laughs> it's big it was not like a hundred thousand people big i mean i think they had 300 people probably for that one mm -hmm. uh, so now i don't know what i don't know what the olympia would hold but there's it's it's still in an auditorium i believe right they could call like a hall I'm looking it up, seeing how many they could pack in there. But yeah, keep going while I figure this out. <laughs> yeah, it's just, the movie never actually comments on apartheid, but I feel like it, it kind of does visually, if you know what I mean. I think, I think the Olympia now can hold up to 5,000 people. Damn. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah, compared to, yeah. Uh, it's pretty, it's a, you know, it's a cool thing. It's very cool. You know, you get to see this crazy, crazy display of muscle. It's just a whole lot of meat in the ring. And not in the ring, <laughs> you're on stage. I've always wanted to go to see an Olympia. I've never, I've never done it, but I've always thought about it. Well, when I'm there, <laughs> you're going to come, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have no, Lou Frigno posing with the cheetah, which is like licking the oil off of his legs, which is so cute. Yeah, they, was, they did some cool stuff for all those magazine covers and promoting their stuff. These guys got to these guys got to have a lot of fun, and especially in the seventies. I'm assuming it was awesome. Mm -hmm. It looks awesome. Uh, we've got Arnold with the journalist here where he's talking about giving the guy uh, the guy who came to him advice. He's like, listen, I have this special American posing technique I'm going to teach to you. Ah, oh, yeah, when you bring your arms up, you have to scream really loudly. You're like this. Ah! <laughs> hot, low, hot, low. And then he apparently he went and did it. <laughs> oh, God. That's funny. You got ribbed. Uh, I, I just got to... You got to wonder if that guy continued competing afterwards or if he made a name for himself at all. Maybe that was his gimmick. The guy that screams on stage. <laughs> That's good. Like, watching, that? watching that, it's like, you know, it doesn't sound completely out of it because it's like, it feels like it would be very cathartic and then you watch how all the other guys are posing and you're like, nope, no, I see why that was weird now. That was weird, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you a little too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it, the way he's like this guy putting on lots of oil, you know, he's just, in my mind, when I hear someone talking like that, that's such at a high level, that the guy probably didn't even have a chance to begin with, you know? <laughs> maybe maybe this guy wasn't ready for the competition. He's like, oh, let me have fun with this guy. This will be hilarious. 
So is the oil just for aesthetic purposes? It's to show, help when the lights hit your muscles, you can see more definition. Mm -hmm. Just like tanning. Well, they don't even, well, I mean they tan, but before you go on stage, you get painted. Basically, you just paint. Yeah, you can, so you can see like the shadow and the light more uh, effectively. The, the, the darker your complexion, the better the light and the oil will bounce. It'll help bounce and show more mm -hmm. definition. You can even see sometimes these guys do guest posing on the off season and they're just not tanned mm -hmm. and they look very, very different. Uh, we have breakfast with Arnold in the Frignos where he uh, he starts his kind of like psychological warfare a bit and then he explains it right after where he's talking one of the times where he's talking straight to the camera and he's like, listen, I'm not, I'm not nervous because if anyone comes close to me, I'm going to psych him out. Matter. He's like, if he comes prepared, fine. If he doesn't, it's less hassle for me. He calls his buddy it's a child. Frank is a child. You know? Yeah. <laughs> now, when he said Frank is a child, <laughs> when he said Frank is a child, do you think he meant because he's because he's also a tiny guy on top of it because like standing next to Lou Ferrigno and Arnold Franco was a child uh, there, he, was, he was I think 5'3", five, 5'4 five, oh damn okay that's even shorter than I expected I thought he was just like looking short next to these huge guys he was 5'4", these guys were 6'2", and I think 6'5", so he was he definitely <laughs> was not holding the same bone mass as these guys. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but I think he called him a child. He's like, because he said that it, at the end of the competition, he's his father, right? He comes to me for advice. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't say advice. He goes, advises. You know, and it's not that hard to give him the wrong... Advises. <laughs> he was very... Uh, he wanted to win. He wanted to win at all costs. He didn't care. Uh, he's like, I'm going to win, and whether you're my friend or not, today's the day of the competition. I'm going to be the best. That's the thing. You have to want it so much to get to that level. It's the only thing that will get you to the gym every day. No, oh, yeah. You do. Otherwise, you'll find yourself... E it's easy to go to McDonald's and all this. It's delicious. But, you know, it's that mindset of going, I'm going to do this, that, that keeps you on track. Otherwise, you'll, you'll drift easily. Yeah, it, it was definitely at the beginning of this year when I when I talked to you about getting back into training. When when I came in, it was just like, okay, this this is it. I'm gonna I'm going to commit to this. And then after like the first week of being in excruciating pain, because my body was not used to training after many years of not training, coming back to it, and all of a sudden it felt like this switch was flipped in my brain of just like oh oh i want this more than i've ever wanted it before i am going to give myself and everything i can to this pursuit because i i know some something changed inside of me something is not the same i'm through with playing by the rules of anybody else's game oh yeah you make the rules yeah the rule is I'm I'm going to win. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and defy gravity. And defy gravity. Look at look at Arnold. Arnold, you know, he's sitting there eating breakfast, and he's talking to Louis, and he's like, "I already called my mother, you know. I already called her, told her I won." You know? <laughs> 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 he's like, and he's looking at this guy's father. He's like, "Imagine the feeling I have, you know, six times, man." And it's like they haven't even competed yet, you know. And then then he starts to break down. Louis, he's like. You know, we should have had it in uh, two months from now. He's not even ready. You know, he just starts breaking it down to ensure that what he said is going to happen. He didn't care. So, yeah, if you want it and you set your mind to it, it's it's a cheesy line. But if you set your mind to it, you really do. There's a good there's a good chance that you won't not do it. Most people quit along the way, and if you don't, I mean, you, you, you're the champ. It's interesting, too, because here's mean, where he's talking about, like, not going to his father's funeral because he had to prepare. Um, and, like, there's been a lot, obviously, made of him talking about he didn't go to his father's funeral or whatever. But the thing that I found interesting was he was like, it's because it was two months out from a competition, and that was too soon. Yeah, because bodybuilders, you, could, you typically start preparing for a competition four months out because you when you're leaning out and you're, you're yeah because you have to you have to burn the body fat slowly or at the right pace because if you burn it off at a, at, a, at a rate that's too fast you're going to compromise and start burning muscle with it which is the opposite of what we're looking to do we want to maintain as much muscle and lose as much body fat and water uh, water the day before uh, so that we can have a huge frame and full muscles and the body, it'll go through this process gradually versus a shock system, right? Where you shock the body and it becomes too intense. That's when the body starts to do all kinds of crazy things that in the end you have to start to repair in its own way where you change the metabolism. So they're doing it slowly. Uh, so about four months. Some people do five months and some people I've heard of even doing six months. So it really depends on knowing your body type and where you're at but yeah so four months out you starting so if at the two month mark you kind of cheat it whew, there goes two months you mentioned water too and that's got to be water weight too but our i only know about this like from movies where guys are like oh yeah you have to be dehydrated to look good are these guys dehydrated too oh yeah <laughs> They are not, <laughs> like the day of the when you see them yeah. on stage. They're what we call dry. They are dry. Like mm -hmm. I mean, there's a guy Dorian Yates. He was talking about he was so lean that when he won, I don't, I don't know which Olympia it was, but one of them, uh, walking the heels of his feet were were so lean that it hurt to walk because it was just so bony. He was that dry. Mm. Yeah, that's wild. Like he went to that extreme where his feet hurt to walk. So as he's posing, he was actually in like excruciating pain. So just to get to that limit of being that. Yeah, I know guys who have competed and they say like, man, like your body starts to cramp at a certain point and, and you, you want to drink something, but you know that you can't. Like some guys will just put the water in their mouth and then spit it back out knowing Okay, that's, you know, I have to keep my mouth able to move, but that's about it. <laughs> like, a, like a Ramadan thing. I know a bunch of people who do that when they're fasting, too. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I know 
in in the Middle East, um, they love bodybuilders. Like they they fucking worship the grand. You know, over here it's still seen as a bit of a, a freak show, a novelty thing. But in Middle Eastern countries, they absolutely adore bodybuilders, and uh, they find like during Ramadan, the the pro bodybuilders out there still observe Ramadan. Like they they still understand. Now, of course, they they cater how they train and whatnot to you know, their religious beliefs and and how they do it. But you know, it's once you get to a certain level of doing this, all of a sudden, it's like there's no sacrifice that's not unreasonable to make yeah you're right so we have them at the uh pre-judging here this is where they talk about franco looking like a bat because of his deltoids he's doing a lat spread oh his, his lats. lats okay but those are the ones that are like beneath your armpit yeah. right that's yeah. Your, yeah. yeah your lats yeah there's, he, yeah, he's a wide man when he starts opening yeah, he up. Yeah, the, the deltoids are the caps oh, on okay. top of your arms, the shoulder muscles. God, Sarah, why don't you know this? <laughs> I told you, I don't know. It's it's The man comes out and he does this, and then he does this, and I go, oh, the light pl- flickers pleasingly over him. <laughs> They, they put nice shadows on the wall of my cave and I choose <laughs> yes. not to leave. <laughs> uh, we've got them getting ready. So do you also like um, exercise right before you go on stage to get that same pump look? You definitely you definitely work out. You get a pump. But oh, you, yeah. Yeah. You got to mm-hmm. get that blood to that muscle. You gotta, Just like anybody, when you work out, you feel your best. You look your best. Blood's in the muscle. It's pumped up. So yeah, before you go out there, you get a nice big pump and maintain it with flex. I, I mean, the the thing that we we skipped over earlier is Arnold talking about oh the yeah, pump, right? yeah. I skipped over that uh, deliberately. The, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, no, it's it's one of the most iconic. Yeah, it's parts the only of part the that I knew it of really beforehand. Is. Yeah. It's the, it's the you know the, when I have the pump, it's like being with a woman. It's uh, yeah, I'm I'm coming in the gym. I'm I'm coming at home. I'm coming on stage. It's, it's terrific. He loves it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, I think he even says he's like I'm coming day and night. It's fantastic. Like it's it's ridiculously funny. Yeah, he's got that little shit eating grin on him. <laughs> But is it a specific feeling but, when you uh, when you flex like that? I think it's more when you work out. I mean, because mm. when you when you're working mm. out, your body releases endorphins. I'm sure, like you've gone and done like a good run, and you're like, I feel so good, uh, or you have a great workout. Your body's your body's just buzzing. Like my one of my favorite things is training really hard, and then it's like having a shower. And I don't know why, but it must be because of the endorphins. But the shower is like the best shower I could ever have. My body's so uplifted. Um, you know, your blood's rushed to the surface and things like that. Like your senses are on like another level. So you get you get a buzz from working out, and, and when you're consistent with it and you don't work out, you you, you get like a, you get withdrawal. You you miss that. You you miss that feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure at his when you get to the especially when you get to the point where you're that big and you've taken your body to that limit, it probably feels pretty awesome. <laughs> 
yeah i i know with me like after training when i've got that really good pump going on at my like your body parts feel five times the size that they actually are they're so just engorged with blood they're so engorged and just rock solid and it it feels great because it's just this i it's this weird mind fuck where you're like I feel like the biggest person who's ever lived. And then, you know, you look at yourself in the mirror and you're just like, oh, I'm just a slightly bigger version of myself normally. That's okay, too. And so even with the pump, you're always like, man, if I could be like this all the time, I'd be happy. You know, it doesn't matter how many years you train or how big you get, you always say that. You're like, eh, if I was like this, I'd be happy. (laughs) Meanwhile, you've gone through that body that you wanted and made you happy about 500 different times right you keep getting bigger and the pump just always is always the best yeah that's why i, I i've told people like i'm going to be insufferable <laughs> i'm going to be like 300 pounds at at 12 percent body fat and i'm still going to be an insufferable p- little person of just like man if only i could get a little bit more it's like, isn't this enough it's like no i know i already know i already know it's going to be like nah it's not going to be enough and that's great. Yeah, if you aren't enjoying the chase, it wouldn't be fun. You'd just be, it'd be torture. As we're getting close to the end here, we've got the three of them posing on stage. So it's Lou Ferrigno, Arnold, and uh, Serge Nubray. And Maddie watching, talking about how he's on stage with his son every time he poses. Like, he can feel it, and he can hear the, the applause going out to his son and everything like that. Again, it's just so sweet. And Serge Dubray had a wicked physique. No one talks about that enough, I don't think. And this guy was jacked. Yeah. It, I mean, it, again, it's it's that, uh, you know, it knows no boundaries, bodybuilding, right? That This guy is up there in, in apartheid South Africa as one of the best athletes in the world. All right? That's, that's crazy. It's... You know, it's groundbreaking mm. as well. So Arnold wins here. And I, I've got to say, like, I, other than like, he's Arnold and he's huge. Can you guys see the difference between these three? Yeah, you can see, you can see difference. Um, you know, just muscle mass, uh, you know, definition of muscle. I, to be honest with you, when I look at it sometimes, I'm like, search the brain, look. He looks pretty good, man, compared to these guys. And, but he didn't win, mm-hmm. but he, he, he mm-hmm. could have. And, no, he, it's, you know, there there is a little bit of subjectiveness because it is being judged mm-hmm. by humans, a panel of humans. And so, obviously, every once in a while, you know, a, a there's just a thing that somebody sees in someone that they don't see in another person, right? Uh, in bodybuilding, like open bodybuilding and, and 212, it's it's a lot easier to be objective because there are those things you're looking for, right? You want, you know, muscles that don't overshadow other body parts. You want symmetry. You want proportions. You want leanness and vascularity. Um, the, the, the competition I have a problem with is uh, men's physique, which is the one where they're wearing board shorts. <laughs> All right, and they're shorts that go right down to your knee. Right? They're, they're like you know, swimming trunks. 
And when I look at the top 10 guys of any Olympia for men's physique, I look at it and I go, I have no idea why this guy won over this guy or why this guy's in 10th. If you were to organize, if I was to give most people like the top 10 competitors at the Olympia and tell them, organize this from first to last, I, I think most people would be able to be like roughly in the ballpark of where those people genuinely placed. But if I showed you like the, the men's physique, it would be like, I don't know. This guy's got a nicer smile. He gets more points. No offense to any men's physique competitors out there, but yeah. <laughs> Let's get those shorts more booty shorts. That's what I'm saying. Ah, uh, that's classic there we physique. Go. You'd like those guys, then. Yeah, that's a good one. Classic physiques. Classic physiques has some phenomenal physiques. Yeah, the the Chris Chris Bumstead being the uh, four time classic physique, Mister awesome, Olympia. Now yeah. he looks great. He's like he's still huge, but he hasn't he hasn't hit that point where it's like beyond. Beyond what a normal human being frame should look like, they could hold. He looks like he's hit the peak. Yeah, like he's he's a peak human performance as opposed to like the open bodybuilders, which is just beyond I mean, human. As much muscles you have is better. <laughs> yeah, which is what I want: as much muscle as I can, and, and then more, more and more. Three hundred pounds of solid muscle is not a bad thing in open. No. No, no, no. And it'll be a nice start. For sure. Yeah, yeah, it's right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and then Franco comes out. Franco's the winner under six feet. The two of them are together. And, of course, Arnold wins Mr. Olympia again for, what, like the fifth time in the row? Six times. Six Damn. Time. Now, he, he retires here, but he doesn't. He does come back a few years later and wins it once more. And that's him at like the height of his uh, movie star uh, um, in the 80s as well. So he's got Terminator. He's got Conan the Barbarian under his belt. Uh, probably did Commando and Predator by that point too. And the fact that he was like, yeah, I'll do bodybuilding again and just destroys the competition once more. Yeah, I was looking this up because I saw in the stats, like, retires, then one in 1980, and I was like, what the heck is this? So I looked it up, and he said it was because he was um, doing Conan the Barbarian, and he was in such good shape from, like, the horse riding and stuff that he was doing there. He's like, I'll give it another try. Right. And if you win the Olympia, you're entitled to enter it again. You, get, you qualify for another one right away. I think the top three qualify, I believe for the next year so or any year he wants so he had that yeah. under his belt so he could enter as a former champion uh so arnold retires the we see lou and his dad in the um i don't know like the green room or whatever you'd call it and lou's talking about how he's even more driven now this is the thing that really impresses me is these guys who are like i'm gonna win no matter what they don't and they're like okay next time it's the same with um with Mike Katz from earlier, where he says, like, it took him four tries to be Mr. Connecticut, five tries to be um, 
Mr. America or Mr. Universe or whatever. And I'm like, that takes so much willpower. And like you say, it all goes back to the mind, right? Right, yeah. That's what, that's, that's what gets us to anywhere we want to be. The most powerful. It has to be powerful in this industry. In any industry, it might have to be powerful because, again, yeah, you have those bad days and you just you just won't produce. But these guys at that, that that level, I mean, they have such a strong mindset. It's like bulletproof that no matter what happens, I think Arnold talks about it. He's like, if my car got stolen, I'd just call the insurance company. So you got to focus. Oh, like you don't let anything else distract you, that sort of thing? not even not even so much as distract as like there's always a way around right there's there's no obstacle that's not overcomable you can find you can find your way yeah sure you find your way no matter what there's like the 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 mindset I, i believe the mindset of a champion is you either find a way or you make a way Mm, yeah and then uh basically last scene here is with the the party with the birthday song for lou where arnold (laughs) i was thinking about this earlier chris when you said you know sometimes you can just go to mcdonald's it feels good it's easy and that's how i feel when i'm watching arnold with like fried chicken and weed i'm like that looks pretty good right now (laughs) (laughs) to have (laughs) And that's yeah. They're they're just letting loose after their competition because they've been dieting and they're like fuck it, let's just have fun. Oh yeah, with the water thing earlier, do you get off stage and then be like, I need a liter of water immediately? I don't think that. I think that you know, bit by bit, you slowly introduce. You don't want to shock your body, right? It's mm-hmm. like you know, anybody. Like uh, hypothermia, people, right? You don't just mm. go like, quick, get them as hot as possible. It's like, no, 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 no. We got to warm them up slowly, or they'll explode or something. <laughs> I don't know how hypothermia works. <laughs> you never know. Maybe you don't know. True. Yeah. True. <laughs> this hypothermic person can't drop below fifty-five miles an hour. <laughs> And then we have the end with them basically like going back to America and gonna do it again. Um, so yeah, do you guys feel like this is like a, for whatever the time it was then? Do you feel like this is still an accurate depiction of what bodybuilding or what bodybuilders are like? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think it's the same. I think there's definitely pockets and groups that are for sure. They have their their group of people, but again, it's it's one of those things that once it becomes mainstream, you get you get a whole bunch of different people in it. You get a lot of different personalities and more people around the world. At that time, it was such a again such a niche thing. Uh, it was it was it was there wasn't I don't think as many body obviously there was as many bodybuilders as there are today. Then so. I mean, for sure, for the top guys, they have that bond. But if you, if I ever like watched anything about these pros from years later, they never really spent much time together unless they were filming something or marketing something. But yeah, I think the time of that is, you know, just far and few in between. You know, so there's a specific gym, 
you know, that you would go to to generate that kind of camaraderie. Uh, but they're not as, it's not as often. I don't think so. Yeah, but you, you find your people, yes. right? Like, I, I'm, I'm so grateful to be training with you and and the guys I train with, right? Who, while, while they may not be bodybuilders, yeah, they're, they're training to make themselves better and for wrestling specifically. Right. But, you know, it, it's it's nice having that that positive sort of reinforcement, right? And even, even at the end of training sessions when uh, the, the wrestling students are coming into the gym, you know, and they start warming up and they're watching me as I'm doing stuff too. And I, I can, every once in a while, I can, I can clue into the, uh, the fact that, you know, they're off on the side being like, yeah, you, you've got this, you, you can push that weight and whatnot. Even though like I'm, I'm in the zone, I'm there to, to push it up and down. Right. Hearing, you know, them having my back, it, it, it's really one of the greatest feelings that I, I get while, while training, while I'm in general. I, I, like, I really love the, the community you're building at Superkick. Oh, um, you know, while, while they're not bodybuilders, they're appreciating what we're doing together. Right. And I think that's, that's a beautiful thing that you don't get anywhere, right? Or, you know, or you, you, get it, you get it where, right? Yeah. It's, it's hard to find. So, I mean, we gotta get I, I feel so grateful to be training with you and uh, under you. I appreciate it. Well, I love training with you too. You guys bring so much positivity to the gym. And, uh, you know, the purpose of what we do is what you're doing. So it's awesome to use it to its full advan advantage with a great group of people. Uh, it's always fun, and that's what it should be. It should be we work hard. We sure. We grind. We grind real hard. And, and it's fun because we all are doing it for the same purpose to get better and when everybody's working together yeah i mean it's just how can you not want to do that it just becomes it just becomes so much fun and more obtainable because you're right when when you're having a hard time and just hearing somebody push you or someone else have faith in you uh there's a, there's a saying where we give up on ourselves uh, we would we'll, we will never give up on someone else but we will give up on ourselves easily right so sometimes just you know as you're doing a squat and then somebody you just think in your head like they got my back that that little bit can help you you know get to a level that not many people can because that's a good support system it's a positive positive environment uh and yeah they're, they're not so many but they are there when you find them you know it's important to keep it because with training it's training partners that's a fun thing i always thought having training partners was awesome because it was something I looked forward to all the time. It's like, oh, this is my workout at 10 o'clock. I know I'm going to take my pre-workout or coffee at like 9 a.m. or whatever it was. And then, you know, you have this commitment and both of you or three of you or four of you, whatever the group is, have committed to each other and you're going to see it through. That's a, that's a very, it's, a, it's a cool to have a team aspect in a solo sport because, you know, the only time that we're actually on our own is when you're competing on stage before that I mean it's it's the team is important it's really great to have it's great great to have you part of the team
Well, I I think is there is there anything you else you want to say about uh, pumping iron in general before we get to the final judgment, Chris, Sarah? Not here. I I just it gave me a new appreciation for what you guys do. <laughs> What's the name of that one again? Raw Iron, okay. Yeah, I think I looked it up and then I was asking Sam last night if you had seen it. Yeah. Because same thing, you get out of this and you're like, I could really deal with the scenes more of these guys. <laughs> so Sam, you, you taking yeah. us up to the big one here? Yeah, sure. Um, so we asked the guest first, obviously. Chris, is Pumping Iron Camp... <laughs> How about yourself, Sarah? Do you, is Pumping Iron Camp? I don't know. I think it has a lot it, like overlapping with things we call camp. Like no surprise to you, but I can see a lot of drag in this, in, like, performance and body transformation and things like that. But, um, I don't know, ultimately I come down to, like, this is just a really good sports documentary. Um, and I would have to, I'd have to say that I land on the end of This Is Not Camp. How about you? Um... Like like Chris said, at the time, this would have been camp because this is such a, a niche subculture of, like, look at these weirdos who spend all their time lifting things up and down and then they, they transform their bodies into these, these impossible human proportions. And... I think back then it would have been camp, but over time and and with the person I am now, or at least to me, individual person's mileage may vary, I think that the sincerity of the film wins out over that. The fact that these are friends, they're, they're hanging out, they're making each other better, they're training, they, they want to be the best at what they do, but they also respect and and love each other i think that that 
doesn't make it camp anymore and especially since you know we all know who arnold is and we know him as the film star he's become so yeah in 1977 this would have been camp but over time it's worked its way out of it So thank you for joining us today on our exploration of Pumping Iron. And Chris, thank you especially for joining us. Um, please subscribe on your podcaster of choice. Leave a star rating and review where you can, because it always helps us to find new people who may not know what their camp favorite is. Yes, and before we get to what we're doing next week, Chris, uh, is there anywhere that our audience can find you? Is there anything that you'd like to plug for the show? I mean, be a obviously wrestling right <laughs> like your uh your twitter or instagram handles are uh, the super kicked company youtube page Oh, I think we lost Chris. Hello? I think so. I'm not hearing him. Yeah, hold on. Hopefully he'll pop back on in a second. Okay. We'll edit this part. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. He's gone. Chris, can you hear us? Have you uh, tried text him? Let me let me message him. Okay, he can hear us. We can't hear him. Hmm. Okay. Is it the ghost? Has the ghost <laughs> <laughs> done something to your audio? <laughs> oh, oh. I can sort of hear you coming back in. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, now now we can hear you. Yeah, so give us give us your plugs. Uh, where can people find you and find Superkicked as a whole? Uh, we also have an event in Toronto, uh, May 26th, Friday, May 26th at the Great Hall. Uh, it's a, you know, main event ladder match, four-man ladder match. Uh, key will be hanging, well, the key to the city will be hanging above the ring, and you will have to climb a ladder to retrieve it. And the winner of this match will be granted a title shot for any championship at Superkick at any time they please. awesome it's so much fun it really is the amount of times i've seen it and i'm still blown away by the creativity that we're able to pull out every single year yeah i'm just looking this episode it's going to come out on the 27th but we'll make sure to put out uh, some promo for it before the show
Well, if you search Super Kicked, you should be able to find the info, right? June 16th. You heard it here first, people. If you go to the Toronto area, go. <laughs> I've only seen clips, but it looks awesome. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's all available on our YouTube page as well. And I, I retweet a lot of super kick things. I try to I, I try to keep us going on Instagram as well on my stories and whatnot. And so if you follow me, you can at least see some of that. But, uh, oh, God, is it good? <laughs> it is unlike <laughs> any other wrestling show that I had been to previously or since, quite frankly. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a student. <laughs> it is. It's definitely, it's definitely has its own vibe to it. Uh, but, you know, we've worked hard as a team to do it. Yeah, well, thank you again, Chris, for joining us. And next week, we are entering our first week of Pride Month. So we're going to be doing all LGBTQ subject matter and films and whatnot uh, for that month. And we'll be starting it off with a little film called Something for Everyone. Yeah, we got some, we got some weird picks this year. A little bit more... Um out of the ordinary, which I'm excited for. Mm-hmm. And now, I, I've never heard of this film before. Uh, Sarah, you're the one who chose it for us. Uh, what can you tell us about it? Um, it is a dark comedy starring Michael York and Angela Lansbury. It's directed by um, legendary theater director Hal Prince, one of his only two movies. I had never heard of it before. I was looking for queer movies that were a little bit um, off the mainstream and I found this movie and uh, we shall see. We shall see. Uh, I love an Angela Lansbury and we love a Michael York from last year's Logan Run so it's yeah, winning strong Michael York hit rate here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But in the meantime, you, our listeners, our audience, our campers, can continue the discussion on our Twitter and Instagram. I am at Hrys Indigo, all one word, R-H-Y-S, spelled the Welsh way. And I am at Sour Citrus Lady. You can follow the pod on at Is It Camp Pod. Until next week, wait an hour before swimming, watch out for snakes, and stay camp. Bye! The pump, it feels like coming. I'm coming every day. I'm coming in the gym. I'm coming at home. I'm coming at the end of this podcast. Are, are you a Dracula? <laughs> I went a little Dracula at the end, yes. <laughs> Blah!